Hello and welcome back to the NUFC Opinion Blog for the Newcastle Legends interview. Today, I'm joined by someone very high profile within a lot of the Newcastle supporters organisations, Alex Hurst. Alex, how are you? I'm not too bad, thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on the chat with you and your, your viewers. Thank you very much for joining me. Firstly, just to kick things off straight away, you're very prominent within a lot of supporters organisations, supporters groups to do with Newcastle United. So given all that, how did your love for the club start? I think I was just uh, a young person growing up in the 1990s in Newcastle. Uh, I don't think you had a choice, really, um, considering the success of the team, passion for the club in the area. I think if you were a young person into sport or into football, then that's where it came from, really. Um, you know, I'd wasn't able to go to games as much as I'd like as a kid because the stadium was just 36,000 and it was mm-hmm. much harder to get tickets to buy with a member of the family. But when the stadium got expanded, ex- extended, and I got into my teenage years, I remember child tickets under 16s was, were only 11 or 12 quid for most games, which is decent even then, back yeah. in like 2001. So, uh, yeah, and just just uh, unfortunately got, got hooked in then. Very good. Now, of course, you're very well known for your role within True Faith, and which you've been a part of for several years now. And of course, you founded their podcast. So, so what inspired you to join True Faith, become editor, and found the podcast itself? Yeah, I've been writing for the for the fanzine and the website I think since I was at university. It was a nice way to kind of stay in touch with things. And you know, when I was at university a little while ago, uh, Facebook was around, but Twitter wasn't. Um, and, and the True Faith website was probably along with NUFC.com. The way I kept up with news, um, because you started like buy a paper and that compared to these days, and I didn't have any money so, to afford them. And I was living in Leeds, so you couldn't get much Newcastle news anyway. So I used to write for the fa- for the, the website and the fanzine. And then uh, I thought in 2014, I didn't really have a plan to start a podcast. I just, I was, I used to still do pre-COVID, but but especially back then, go to a lot of away games, and there was a lot of good Newcastle podcasts about, but that none of them which really had people who, who were able for whatever reason, because not everyone can go for family reasons, work reasons, money reasons, yeah. not wanting to go reasons, sort of criticism people don't go away, because I thought I was going to away games, and things were happening on and off the pitch that I thought maybe weren't being represented as well. So like, I, I'll give you the game where it happened, I went to Stoke away on the Pardew, terrible game. Got beat one nil, and Patton Ben Arthur, who was being serenaded all game by the away end Stoke. I don't know if you've been to Stoke, but the away end is, is close to the pitch. I mean, it's a it's a relatively small ground as well for the Premier League, and um, he just didn't warm up. He didn't warm up properly. People get angry and angry at Pardew for not bringing him on. Um, he's completely bothered to warm up, and he caught, he came on and pulled the muscle straight away. And we're down to ten men, which was like infuriating for me, even though I loved him, but because I didn't get featured on match of the day at the time. Mm-hmm. No one with the Newcastle podcast that I listened to, which were very good. No one really talked about that. And I just thought maybe it would be good to have one from from you know from a fan's perspective who, who's at every game. And it it started from then. We're lucky that we're still good and we'll have lots of people, we think, for us anyway. More than we thought would have listen um and would, you know, pre pre-COVID, we'll have a patron as well, which we're lucky enough that people willing to pay for. So we're able to pay for people to go to every game in this country and also go across the world, you know, had someone in China, had people at the Friendlies in Spain, had people in Portugal. Um, that's all thanks to the podcast and the little network it's built up. And, and finally, to Marina Langhans here, the fanzine, I was I was asked by previous editor, Mick Martin, who was still very much involved, um, to do it. He, he, he fancied stepping down and 
thought it might have needed a fresh set of eyes, but um, he's he's still very important to it. And the fanzine, I really like the fanzine because it, no one else doing it sadly anymore. And I, and I kind of feel, particularly when I was young, it was always nice to see something you'd written published in print in something tangible. Um, and I like providing that platform and opportunity to other Newcastle fans. Mm, no, I fully agree. I'm looking forward to receiving my copy of the latest issue in the post. Obviously, as well, you helped found War Flags, which at the time was Gallagher Flags. How did that come about? And also, what is the current situation with the group, given that Mike Ashley still owns the club and you haven't put on a display within the ground for, for some time now? So it's a, it's, it's a weird answer to that question. I was working in America on a US government thing, which is another story. Wow. And I was in Chicago and I'd been sent, spent the first couple of weeks or the first week in Washington, D.C. in government um in the state department and we got like sent out in the different u.s cities it was just like part of some kind of it was a young at the time it was 2016 so i'd be like 27 26 and um it was like a young business person exchange scheme so a lot of americans came to the eu and then there's like one person from every country i represent great britain great britain britain's worst ever pick and anything ever but um i was in chicago at a business i'd been sent to work in on the government's behalf and i had now to do um, and I was sat there and Mick actually put out a post on True Faith saying we should get like a Rafa Benitez flag for next season because we'd just been relegated. It was announced that he was staying. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and I did some research on like, I think um, Watford had a flag group and uh, Liverpool did as well. Um, so I did some research and I saw that they, they fundraised their own flags. What they didn't like go to the club and say, give us some money. So I thought this is a good idea. I messed up Mick, who I knew anyway, because I was writing for True Faith at the time we did the podcast. Mm-hmm. He's a friend anyway. I said, why don't we start uh, a group? He came up with the name Gallagher Flags because, you know, my season ticket was on the yeah. in the corner. His was in, in the Gallagher as well. And it just snowballed, really. I didn't expect it to take over. I remember making the Twitter account. I spoke to Mark Douglas at the Chronicle who backed the idea, which was really important, give us some legitimacy. I knew Mark from interviewing a couple of times for the podcast. He'd written a book as well that he interviewed me for. Um, and... Yeah, from there, I think in a week would raise £9,000. It was like, Jesus Christ, we actually need a plan to buy some flags here. <laughs> um, and it just it just exploded from there. We're, we're, we held public meetings for volunteers uh, at the Strawberry. So we just said, we just put it out in true faith on Twitter. We said, if you want if you want to help the flag group, come along. And, and some volunteers came along. And we did the first display against Huddersfield in the championship. We got beat. I remember but, it well. Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, move my camera here. If you can see that, the cl- that's a that's an image from that day. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it was built as black and white day, was it not? I think. Yeah, it was. People people get to the ground early. Yeah. I've messed my camera. Um, people get to the ground <laughs> ground early, but the, I was really lucky. The the club actually sent me that um, image, which is really nice of them. It's a professional photograph, and it just went a bit nuts from there. And we we went from individual flag waivers to surfer flags. Um, yeah. Again, everyone criticizes the club, me especially. But they were really, really great and helpful with that and supportive. And I can't thank them enough for that. It was it was our idea. But if they hadn't agreed with it, mm-hmm. we never would have got off the ground. And we held some fundraising quiz nights at the um, nine bar to raise the money. Paul Dummett came down. Matt Ritchie came down. Just a brilliant example of fan club cooperation. Yeah. But because, because I had so much going on. Um, so I don't know. I can't answer your question about War Flag. So when, me, when, me, when I left... Um, to change the name, which is absolutely fine, New Direction type thing. Um, and still been very successful what I've done since and done great displays. 
but I don't know. <laughs> Is this mm-hmm. the current situation for, for the minute? But it's something I'm very proud of. Um, yeah. And it signifies to me the strength of what this fan base can do when it sets mm-hmm. its mind to something. On the subject of sort of club and fan relations, you became a board member at Supporters Trust in 2016, and you, I believe you were chairman in 2019 as well. How much, like, so, sorry, how, how important do you feel that the relation is for the trust in, in building that sort of bridge between the fan and the club? I think it's important. It should be important. It should be more important than it is, I think, to the club. Um, so I joined in 2016. We relaunched it in 2019 because it was it would it pretty much ceased to exist. Um, so we, re, we relaunched from scratch. Um, I put a new board together. And we're fortunate to have had some success in terms of achieving some achieving some objectives. The you know I, I, in that role, spoke to the club a lot, had meetings with with important people within the club. Um, you know the, you know how the club is run. Everyone yeah. watching know how the club is run. So we haven't been able to have the influence that we'd hoped and that I'd hoped. Um, doesn't mean we haven't tried. It's, it 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 should be the most important thing for football club. The perception that the fans have of the ownership. Sadly, the current ownership couldn't care less, in my opinion, uh, what fans mm-hmm. think. And that's that's why you see it continue to make decisions and behave in a way which isn't, which is like the opposite, isn't it? You expect the football club to kind of sell itself constantly to its support and so it's almost a partnership. The club, in certain situations, behaves antagonistically towards its supporters, mm-hmm. which is a massive shame. <laughs> yeah. Staying on the subject of the, of the supporters' trust, potential buyer Amanda Staveley released a message via the trust in August 2020, at sort of the height of the takeover paranoia. Now, of course, there's still a lot being said about that at the moment. So just before you get onto that, how did that occur back in August 2020? And what are your current thoughts on the situation with the arbitration, etc.? So I think, like everyone else, the news when PIF publicly stated that they were not pursuing their interests anymore to buy the football club and with the Premier League shocked everyone. Um, we had already spoken to the Premier League or sent communications to the Premier League a couple of times, stating our our members were 96.7% in favour of the takeover when we surveyed our membership at the start of the takeover process. Um, George Colgan, who writes for The Athletic, who's a really good writer and a, a good mm-hmm. bloke, he he wrote an article with Amanda Staveley about what had gone on and she basically put a call out saying they needed fans to try and get answers from the Premier League. And I thought because the trust has a kind of formal link with the Premier League through the Football Supporters Association, we were well placed to do that or try and do that. Um, so George very kindly set the meeting up. She was willing to take the call, had a conversation with her about what had gone on and what we could do. And, and she said, you know, the fans are going to have to fight for this takeover. They're going to have to get answers from the Premier League. So we petitioned our members to email local MPs and MPs across the country, MPs that were local to our members. Uh, 8,000 people did that, maybe one of the biggest, if not the biggest, kind of short notice um, campaigns in the country to try and achieve some sort of change. You know, every single journalist in the world, not every single, a lot of journalists wanted to speak to Richard Masters about the takeover. A lot of people wanted to speak to them and through that pressure through MPs and through the network, through the FSA, um, we managed to get in front of Richard Astor and at least put things to him that that we thought were relevant. And whilst I think we didn't get answers that a lot of people liked, we can't control what he tells us, sadly. Um, so that was a bit of a victory for farm power. Um, hopefully, Amanda um, and the other buyers, you know, hopefully we, they feel like we did what we could for them. 
it was a lot of work and we did our best and we did manage to get to get questions to Richard Masters and we did manage to tell him directly what the fan base wanted and uh, that's the story behind that basically um where do I what do I think of it now cigarette um desperate for it to happen still I think it, it gets it makes it worse that the club's in such a mess knowing that if this had just gone through when it should have gone through um last summer would have gone into a new season with new owners with new ambitions with new plans and the club would be nowhere near the position it is now so just because I'm sick of it doesn't mean they don't want to happen I think it's just that fatigue uh so mm. many stories you know we had that day on was it Friday Friday when it where, went mad yes and it was just ridiculous with Steve Bruce with Matt Ritchie the you know treason and there's these all these crazy things that a normal football club shouldn't be going through and then you've got the, you know, Mike Ash doesn't speak to supporters ever. He kind of holds them in contempt. Um, and then you get a club statement saying that we've lost this court battle and you just get the whole social media reaction with people desperate to find conclusions that suit their narrative when no one really knows what's going on. And then anyone who isn't kind of seen as being really positive gets abuse. And I just, I just think the whole thing, I just wish I could just wake up tomorrow and it was done. And then we'll never have to think about the takeover again because the club has taken over and we can all think about a brighter future yeah. rather than kind of contemplating with this horrible situation the club finds itself in right now, which is compounded by the fact that everything it wasn't supposed to be like this. And you have willing buyers, a willing seller and a willing fan base. It, it, I can understand why to a lot of fans that just why hasn't this happened? That's the frustrating thing. If you did have to make a prediction with this arbitration, how would you, how would you put it? I know, <laughs> well, it's, I know, I know, it's a massive, massive question that everyone's wanting to answer. I, I do. But, I can't. I can't give a prediction on arbitration because I'm not a legal expert. So, like, I can't. I like, literally would be Aaron, wrong of me to sit here and say speak arbitration. To, speak to Yusuf, our true faith colleague, because yeah. he's very good at all that. Yeah, but I still think the takeover will happen one day because there's always solutions to things, aren't there? Yeah. It's just yeah. whether. They can get it done in time, whether, you know, PIF has to involved. But the fact that there's someone there with the money, the fact that the owner wants to sell, doesn't seem like an impossible situation. But then I don't, you know, what do I know? I'm just a fan, like everyone watching. Yeah. Obviously, you mentioned there that current on-field matters aren't brilliant at all. Certainly, we're in a, a pretty poor situation as we currently speak. What are your thoughts on it all? Well, what words to use? It's, it's very sad. Do you know what I mean? We've been through a lot of emotions. We've been through, you get anger. People get angry a lot. People kind of laugh a lot at Steve Bruce. And it's got to the stage now where people I know, even there's nothing else to do in lockdown. There's People aren't watching the games. You know, we're so bad. Um, I think the manager is is so far out of his depth. It's untrue. I think two wins in 18 and two wins in 16 in the league is, is simply a record that would get every single other manager in the league besides oh, okay. Chris Wilder sacked. And the fact that as fans, we then have to contend with paid professionals in the media telling he's doing a good job. Well, if two wins in 16 in the league is a good job, what does a bad job look like? And the fact that, you know, we play this stupid formation, um, which is just mental and damages the team. We're the only team in the history of the Premier League in a relegation battle playing with no strikers. It's like, you almost couldn't make it up. It's so basketball. That, that's what happens when you put underqualified people in very important positions like ridiculous things start to happen. Like last week was last week was an embarrassment for forget about football for business of Newcastle United's size and importance within this region. Last week was an embarrassment. The performance was an embarrassment. The manager's conduct was an embarrassment, and the media coverage and the club's subsequent reaction 
was an embarrassment. But the fact is, the vast majority of fans just used to it. We're just used to it now. You know, Newcastle just need to go out and win games. And instead, in the week before, one of the biggest games in the season, which, by the way, we didn't even try and win, mm-hmm. um, you've got the manager saying he's going to undercover the mole. And it's like, it is funny to an extent, and we, we do laugh about it. It would be funny if we weren't in this situation. Yeah, exactly. You know, they had to go win that game for, for lots of reasons, for points, for, for fixture lists, for morale. But after the week that had, they had to go and win that game. And he played a formation with no strikers again. Um, and West Brom, worst defensive home record in the league by a mile. And it, it's not just like Man City going there, scoring five. Leeds went there and scored four. Palace went there and scored five. This is not a good team we played. And we went there and, and seemed, there was, they were the better side. And that's the worrying thing. You can't beat West Brom. Who are you going to beat? Yeah, no spot on. Obviously, as 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 you mentioned, there things aren't good. If you had to predict whether we'll stay up or go down, what would you say? Well, we're definitely going down. <laughs> definitely, there's if we keep Steve Bruce, it's just yeah. who we're going to beat. Like two wins in sixteen. Why? Yeah. Why? You know, we, we have experience of this as fans. Where mm. you know, I don't know if you can remember oh eight nine, but I like just it about, was, I was I was I was eight years old, but I can just remember it. You know. It was the same. It was the same thing. I think we won two of the last nineteen games, so we're already in that territory. Mm-hmm. And what we learned then is that when a team is that bad, you can't you can't just flick a switch. Even if you win one game, the the team is bad. It's why it keeps losing. There isn't some magic training session coming. There isn't some rousing halftime team talk. There isn't some magical team selection to fix what has become a very very bad football team. And if you look at Brighton and Fulham, although they'd argue they're bad football teams as well. They create chances. Mm. They they score goals. We we don't do that. Um, and the fact that we'll play both before the end of the season is both people look at that and think, oh well, if we win those games, we won't win those games because they're better than us. Um, and for that reason, I think if they keep Steve Bruce for the next three fixtures, definitely we'll get relegated without question. Yeah, it, it's a horrible thought, isn't it? To to sort of sum things sum things up a little bit, what would you say? as sort of a prominent supporter that, you know, is well-known within all these organisations that we've mentioned so far, what would you say to other supporters who might feel their love for the club winning? Because, you know, you mentioned that some people aren't watching the games anymore and that they're really put off from it. So what would you say to those who are starting to, to lose the faith? Well, for first thing to do is join the supporters' trust. Yeah. Because we're 14,000 strong and the only reason we can get in front of Richard Masters and we can speak to the Premier League and we can do all of these things is because we are united as one body. And it's only two quid to join and one pound a year after that. Yep, I remember and, uh, myself, I must say. Great. Next month, I'm actually launching uh, a big project. Can't say anything. That's been two or three years in the planning. Um, a kind of huge supporter initiative, which hopefully will give supporters some hope and some direction. Um, be more than happy to come here and chat on the channel about it when we launch. Yeah. Um, but you know, like... Thank you very much, the, by the way. <laughs> the, the 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 football club belongs to its supporters. It doesn't belong to Mike Ashley. The shares do at the minute mm-hmm. for the football club, and he's allowed to run it. But the football club is the supporters. The only thing that is valuable about this football club is the supporters. So this club, which was on the verge of being sold for 330 million quid, the training ground's not worth much. It needs a lot of work. The grounds was brilliant once. Needs a lot of work to bring it up to other modern football stadiums. Team's not very good. Uh, commercial contracts are rubbish. Uh, academy academy That's what I was just about yeah. to say. So, so what is actually valuable? How can how can Newcastle United be worth this like one third of a billion pounds figure to some of the richest people in the world? And, and the simple answer is the supporters. And we have to wake up to that fact. We have to realise 
that we're the people with the power. Um, we're the people who who keep the club going. We're the people that put all the money that goes in that football club comes from us apart from for player sales. Every single penny, whether it's through TV subscriptions or whether it's through ticket sales or boxes or, or shirts, it all comes from us. Uh, and I'm not suggesting anyone doesn't go to the match or starts following them. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's just an understanding that we have the power. And I think people forget that. Um, and with the supporters trust, we're going to try and do something to remind people of that next month. Mm. No, that's very good. I'll certainly have you back on to promote that when when when, when this project does occur. I'll certainly, even though I have no idea as to what it could be, I'll certainly be looking forward to it. Alex, thank you very much for joining me. I think that you've been, have given some great answers there. So a lot of interesting questions. So hopefully my viewers will find that very interesting. Thank you very much. Yes, thanks for having me on. Right, all right. That sums up. Thank you all very much for watching at home. And how are the lads? <laughs>